Welcome to In the Envelope, a podcast from Backstage, the number one resource for actors and talent seekers. I am your host, Jack Smart, awards editor at Backstage, and I'm here to guide you through every aspect of the entertainment industry with the help of some of your favorite stars. These intimate, inspirational conversations with today's most award-worthy film, television, and theater artists provide you, dear listener, advice on how to live the creative life, personal stories of success and failure alike, and maybe, just maybe, a tantalizing glimpse in the envelope. This business, how easy is it to just feel bad about yourself and to feel so beaten up, to compare yourself to others? It's just, that's already too easy. So whatever you can do to keep your chin up and know that your path may look different. Your path should look different. Casey Mink, how are you doing? I am well. It's a big week for people who love both television <laughs> and musical. I didn't even realize when you asked me to be the banter that I am kind of the perfect banter for this because for this exact episode, yeah, yeah, because Schmigadoon is a combination of all the things we love: yes. musical theater and TV, and yeah. um, Alan Cumming. Yes, and you know, really, it's just an excuse to uh, kiki over. Musical theater, it really has not had a lot of, we've not had a lot of opportunities to do that. No. <laughs> There's been no Broadway for a year and a half, for example. It's not often, it's also really not often that you have an original TV, TV musical. And it stars Cecily Strong, who is also a producer. But here's the thing. We timed this really well because Cecily mm-hmm. Strong was also just nominated for a 2021 Emmy Yay. Award. For her work on, of course, Saturday Night Live. Casey, talk to me about Cecily Strong. Uh, I have been a long time Cecily. Oh, good. I'm going to say it. Stan. Yes. Stan. My favorite Cecily character. We've yes. all got one, but uh, <laughs> Girl You Wish You Hadn't Started a Conversation <laughs> With at the Party. That just became its own sort of, not even meme, it became its own sort of Type language. Of <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. And yeah, I've always loved her, and I'm so excited that she, I've watched half of Schmigadoon at this uh-huh. point. And because, you know, we are people who get screeners to things because we're, yeah, we're annoying and douchey. Um, (laughs) But I'm so excited for her to have this new platform to really showcase everything she can do. Yeah. Like everything. Because she's obviously a brilliant sketch comedian, like quintessential sketch comedian, like aspiring people who want to be on SNL should study her performances. I mean, she says she's not an impressionist, but she's very good at impressions. She creates these off the wall characters. But yeah, Schmigadoon is a it's a new element. And like if you kinda only know Cecily from SNL and then you watch Schmigadoon, you can just tell this is a musical theater nerd. 100%. And how great that she hasn't she hasn't had that opportunity until now. And now here she is, and both she and Keegan Michael Key are both like closeted musical theater yep. geeks. <laughs> getting and to you know, there's a whole there's a whole subset of film and TV actors who if one little thing had gone differently for them 10 years ago, oh you know God. that they would just be Broadway chorus kids or, you know, doing the totally. the in-rep Playwrights Horizons off-Broadway thing. That's like, such a good point. Yeah. And of course, that means that they are perfect guests for 
backstage. Like they can speak to exactly mm-hmm. what you're talking about. Of like, there's so many different paths through the industry. All it takes is one like gig booked or source of inspiration, and then you're on that path. So she's nominated for Emmys, and I gotta ask you about Emmys. I gotta put you on the spot. What are the trends? <sighs> like, what are okay. what are the listeners who maybe don't know anything about the Emmys? Like, what uh, what are the takeaways from this from this list? God, I have so many. <laughs> okay, first things first. I will say, pretty good. I wasn't I wasn't angry yesterday. I was actually pretty sure. I was <laughs> pretty pleased, which is like a big win, I uh-huh. guess, when a list of nominations come out. Because more often than not, I mean, yeah. just being a passionate person about all things entertainment, like I'm you? usually pretty. Yeah, you? right. Passionate, me, opinionated. Me having strong opinions. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they're pretty good nominations. Uh, I think a big takeaway, though, that I saw and that I'm seeing a lot of other people sort of acknowledge as well is that the wealth was not as spread as it maybe could and should have been. I mean, I think that there were only like 16 titles overall that got more than one nomination. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, you know, things like The Queen's Gambit and Hamilton and Handmaid's Tale each Mm -hmm. got, you know, 15 nominations or something. Yeah. And there could have been, it seems like a lot of nominators didn't necessarily branch out as far as the new streaming platforms are concerned. Mm -hmm. I mean, Girls 5 Eva was one of my favorite, (laughs) favorite shows of the, you know, last TV cycle. And that got one writing nomination. It's always such a head scratcher to me when a show gets one nomination, because that means that they saw it. So like Small Acts, which I can say from our personal experience, had a huge press campaign behind it and was extraordinary, got one nomination, which in my mind is almost like it would have made more sense if it had gotten zero because then all the nominators Mm -hmm. aren't into it. Well, but you bring up one that it's like, well, I mean, right. And we also talked about, you know, the fact that Emily and Paris got nominated for best comedy and then a production designer and then nothing else. Yeah. But the small acts of it all. I mean, the other thing that I would, you know, I came on here with agenda and it's to talk about this. Um, the <laughs> other big Emmys takeaway for me at this point, just in, you know, society and culture is that there is no category more thrilling or competitive uh or cutthroat than the limited series category, which Small Axe was yeah. campaign or in contention for. I mean, oh my god! at this point, that is where the most exciting television is happening. And, uh, for whatever reason, yeah. I mean, you know, you know, as well as, you know, anyone who follows me on Twitter knows, I think Mare of Easttown is <laughs> the greatest yeah. thing to ever be made, maybe ever. But like, <laughs> That alongside I May Destroy You, alongside yeah. The Queen's Gambit, alongside WandaVision, alongside The Underground Railroad, like Jesus. those five shows, and they only have five slots for limited series yeah. opposed to comedy and drama, which also needs to be revisited because- At this point, just, yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's but one like, of those years where you can say, in any other year, I May Destroy You would win. In any other year, Underground Railroad would be the clear runaway. No. Exactly. And I mean, there are, there are so many, you know, limited series that didn't even get in. I mean, you say, you know, uh, Small Acts. I thought It's a Sin was one mm-hmm. of the greatest things I've ever seen. Halston. I mean, a, Halston, Fargo. a teacher, which ran a while yes. ago, but was fantastic. Just Performances from list, Kate Mara. A list of limited series that didn't make the cut. It's yeah, exciting. And, like you said, it's thrilling. And then those acting categories, same thing, though. It's like there's only five slots for those. <laughs> it's like Thuzo Mabedu from Underground Railroad, mm-hmm. like... How did she not get, well, I know how she didn't get it in because <laughs> it was Cynthia Revo and, you know, Kate Winslet and Michaela Cole. And like, yeah. it, that's just crazy. So that crazy. She, 
that the competition is that stiff. But Nicole Kidman for The Undoing did not make the cut. Crazy. 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 Yeah. I so mean, that's so how you know it's a strong year, especially for those categories. Yeah. It's a really strong year for those categories. And then, you know, maybe less or so for the traditional comedy well, and drama. And that's the other takeaway. I think it's important to note that, like, last year's Emmys happened during the pandemic. But I don't think that the um, contenders were necessarily affected by the pandemic. Whereas this is the year that yeah. production, the interruption in production was reflected. And in fact, exactly. a lot of the favorite, favorite, favorite Emmy shows like Succession, Ozark, Marvelous yeah. Mrs. Maisel, I believe would <gasps> have come out in time for this Emmys and did not. Yeah. And that's but... that's definitely what it, this will be kind of remembered as. Um, I would also say one last major highlight, at least maybe this is just for more for us, but MJ Rodriguez becoming the first openly transgender performer huge, to be nominated in a major huge. acting category. Is and huge. you know... The the diversity is actually pretty strong yeah, this year. Absolutely. It's actually pretty good. And I think that whether that's reactionary to the nonsense of the Golden Globes, mm. you know, you hope that these things are born out of altruism. But even if they are more top of mind because mm. the Globes got so much flack, so be it. Like changes, you know, change yeah. for for whatever reason or another, if it happens, it happens. Yeah. And that's um, been true of the Emmys the past couple of years, particularly in the acting category. Yeah, I mean, Bo and Yang, hello. That's so... Bo and Yang. I mean, come on. The first Chinese-American man to be nominated for an acting Emmy. Literally insane. Yep. And pretty (laughs) gross, but, you know, a better late than never, I suppose. Everyone you just described is, like, so worthy. And, um, yeah, we at Backstage, I feel like the SNL interviews always turn out amazing. Those people are just obviously brilliant, but they also just kind of give great interviews and great advice. They really do because, well, I think that the thing about being on SNL, even if you are a megastar, like at this point, you know, Kate McKinnon or Keenan, Mm -hmm. it's still such a grind. And still, they're still very much like of this, like workhorse, working actor, working writer, always have to be writing for myself mindset. And I'm sure that's why those interviews, because yeah, I mean, I had a great interview with Keenan earlier this year and those are always just like, they just keep it so real. <laughs> they keep it real. They're super, yeah, they're accessible, but they know how to like t- make it clear to uh, maybe listeners of this podcast how hard the job is <laughs> and how hard you have to work. Right. Literally, they're on, you know, this this institution and they're yeah. all like, oh, I'm literally just half dead all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 80s the same thing about Shrill. Um, Seth Meyers, of course. And then, yeah, Cecily filmed an entire TV movie, TV musical series during quarantine, doing SNL. It's crazy. Um, well, thank you, Casey. The Yeah, what a perfectly timed uh, episode to be airing Cecily Strong two days after her second Emmy nomination, a day before the release of Schmigadoon. Yeah, I mean... Which I loved so it, much. It must be a good time to be Cecily Strong, honestly. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's interesting because, like, as we know, which listeners might not, but shows that are premiering right now are, or even have premiered in the past month, let's say, because that's probably more confusing, mm. were not Emmys eligible for this cycle and they will right. be eligible next Emmys. So a full calendar year from now. But you and I so, will launch I mean, the campaigns for Cecily, Keegan, Alan Cumming, I think, Kristen I think that's what we're doing. Chenoweth. Kristen Chenoweth. Um, Dove Cameron. Dove like Cameron, this Aaron cast. Kate, Ariana DeBose. Ariana DeBose. I mean, Ariana DeBose is going to have an Oscar nomination slash maybe win this time next year. So, um, yeah, I think that's what we're doing right now. We're launching these people's 2022 
Emmys <laughs> oh campaigns. My oh my god! Totally. Wow. Oh my gosh! Thank you we're so nerds. much, Casey. We're losers. We're... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Theater, TV, awards, nerds. Thank you for nerding out with me. Uh, thank um, you for giving me the opportunity to once again um, mention <laughs> Tony Shalhoub. <laughs> met, talk about Mayor of Easttown. Is there anyone else I need to mention? Katrina Link. Oh my god. <laughs> Who actually wait, ever. no. No relevant. You ready? Katrina Lang, huge role on the upcoming season of Ozark, may very well be an Emmy nominee oh, this sure. time next year. Great. We will get her on the pod for Ozark. <laughs> and and we'll for company. Get, have you coming back? Oh my god, totally. Applications are now available for UCLA's professional program in acting for the camera. Gain knowledge from successful industry professionals and receive a world-class acting education in three quarters consisting of scene study, acting for the camera, and career development workshops, an intimate classroom environment with a maximum of 16 students per workshop, and a certificate of completion from the UCLA School of Theater, Film, and Television. Students are encouraged to apply early, space is limited, admission is competitive. Just Google UCLA Professional Programs and you'll find us. Cecily Strong has been Emmy Award nominated for two years in a row for her work making NBC's Saturday Night Live Must See TV. A Chicago native and theater student who's appeared in Ghostbusters, The Boss, and many animated and sketch series, Cecily is now paying homage to classic movie musicals as producer and star of Apple TV Plus's original musical series from Cinco Paul and Ken Dario, Schmigadoon. Here is the hilarious Cecily Strong. Okay. Hi, Cecily. Hello. Hello. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm hanging in there. Um, I'm getting over a cold. I hope my I'm. You know that thing where you, there's a global pandemic. You don't get a cold for two years, and then you do. Right. Right. And then you go outside, and you're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What germs? is this? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. Are you? Um. I'm so excited to talk to you. Are you just doing a bunch of press uh, in the lead up to Schmigadoon? Yes, doing a good amount, but it's all still virtual. So I've, I'm like slowly losing my mind only because <laughs> I'm just so out of my element with that. I've been waiting like seven months to talk about it. So it's very exciting. <laughs> oh, sure. And, and you were, and you're, so you're just dying to talk about it in person. I mean, I am too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I don't want to like over like hyperbolize, but it's like the most. I'm the, I'm so excited about Schmigadoon. It's the most exciting TV show <laughs> I've watched in a long time. Well, th- I think I love it. I mean, I think I'm more of like a fan of it than I, I'm more excited to talk about it as a fan than someone <laughs> who got to do it. Sure, and I can't. I just can't wait to get into it. Um, but first, uh, we are backstage, as you know. We are all about craft and career advice. Okay. Can I ask? Um, are you familiar with backstage at all? Like, did you ever use backstage for cast for auditions? You know what? I I feel like was there a version in Chicago? Yeah, there might have been a print like magazine with a bunch of listings. Yeah, definitely print. It would have been a print um, version. I think there was like a newspaper, and my mom and I would call mm-hmm. casting call hotline. I think. 
okay. when I was growing up doing theater. So I, it was a lot of like, everything looked like a classified ad. It's probably like yes. what ads for escort services look like. <laughs> but it was for Chicago theater. <laughs> but for Chicago theater. Yes. Non-equity. That's great. And was so was that always the goal? Was theater always the goal? I know that you grew up watching Saturday Night Live, for one thing. Yes, of course. I mean, grew up watching Saturday Night Live, but also I, I was like, I guess I was just strange in my house and loud. And so they put me in a drama <laughs> class at three. Um, oh. And then I just sort of loved it. I mean, I love, I just would always be singing and dancing and doing impressions or something around the house. Um, my dad likes this. I did a naked butt slap dance after the bath, as one does. Yes. Um, and so once you do that, then your parents put you in a drama class and hope that's it. Um, and then I did community theater when I was like, I think eight was my first show. I did Grapes of Wrath at Village Players in Oak Park. And then I did a lot when I was 10 or 11. I did my first show at the Bailiwick Theater, which is sort of, that became my my second mm. home for a while. But then at what point did it, did it start to lean away from theater and towards comedy? Was that around college? Yeah, it was actually after college. I was, ah. um, I went to CalArts for college. I got my VFA in theater and I was like, I'm a very serious actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we, you know, CalArts does a lot of avant-garde experimental thing. I think that sort of sets you up for... <laughs> comedy anyway but I was sort of like it wasn't that I wasn't into comedy I just considered comedy a part of acting you know Mm -hmm. um and the the only thing I hadn't really gotten to do much of at that point was writing you know really explore that and so then I think I my first year teacher at CalArts kept telling me to take a class at the Groundlings and I remember being like should I be slightly offended because Uh. I'm a real actor and then um I wound up after I graduated, I was in LA and it was like, okay, now this is, now I'm supposed to be doing the business part of this job. And like the thing that I love doesn't seem to exist anywhere. I'm not getting any audit. Everything I'm seeing is like, would you be the girlfriend in a bikini or something? And it was like, mm. well, so where are all the, where's Hedda Gabler? <laughs> um, and so then I did take a class at the Groundlings and I loved it so much and then decided I would moved back to Chicago to go full, dive into improv and the sketch comedy and sort of, you know, it's humbling, but I've never mind, I've never minded humbling myself. Um, and so I took classes again at Second City. And then that's really how I got into comedy or like, you know, this sketch and improv. Right. Was this, was that sort of like a disillusionment with LA? Like, it's so interesting that the of course, lack of Hedda Gabler, but also just the availability of, <laughs> of roles, like that's what steered you not just towards well, comedy, it, but back to Chicago. I think it was like, I was very unprepared for like the business side, not because of my school. I loved my school, but it was mm-hmm. like, you know, I wasn't, I didn't look, I didn't look like, I couldn't go to an LA audition number one and see anyone because I didn't look like, I mean, they're gorgeous, like supermodels out there. And I was like, this kind of weird, you know, I, my head hair down in my butt. And I hadn't, I don't know fashion. I still don't, but mm. I really didn't then. And I've always been an Aquarius. So if that helps explain anything, <laughs> but it was like, I'm just not, I don't look the part to even know how to get my foot in the door. 
but I enjoy doing this so much. So I didn't want to stop. And so it's like, well, I think I'm pretty good at improv. I enjoy it. And, and I knew there was theater in Chicago too. So it felt like a natural move back. And, but it does sound like if drama camp was age three, that you've never had any other, (laughs) has there ever, ever, ever been a plan B? Um, you know, I thought I was good at soccer for a while. Mm. So, but my plan B was to be like Andrew Shue and I would be an actor and a professional soccer player. (laughs) Okay. I was not a, (laughs) I wasn't a great soccer player. (laughs) And then my dad always said I could be a lawyer because I like to. Oh, sure. Argue. Uh, Sure. But I think it's always been, I mean, it was always going to be acting. Yeah. And so then those years in Chicago, is it safe to say that, I mean, obviously for anyone, SNL is the, the big break, right? Yeah. I mean, early on, it was like SNL wasn't on my radar. Besides just like, of course, who wouldn't want that? And, you know, I watched it religiously and did all of the characters on the schoolyard, you know. But it wasn't like, that's not going to happen to me. I was doing like, you know, Chicago. um, I can't even remember the name. I was doing, I did um, an anti-smoking PSA and like a driver's ed video for Wisconsin and I did just stuff like that. Those were like my big jobs in Chicago. That's great. Before, before I went to school. And those were the, what, were you doing survival jobs this whole time? You were not making a living no, as a commercial No, so then actor. after college, I started, you know, I took classes. And then I was like, I was working, um, I'd worked at Planned Parenthood for a while. Mm. I was, uh, I worked... In the cor- in the corporate office in Chicago, I was the receptionist, and then I started helping out in billing. I worked mm. um, at the box office at I.O. I babysat. Hmm. I feel like I'm missing some. I picked up, you know, odd jobs where you can. So that's really what I did and while taking classes at Second City, too. Mm-hmm. And so I know you've told the story, of course, but, I mean, at Backstage, we also, we love talking to the SNL people specifically because... Obviously, listeners of this podcast want to know, like, how to get cast on SNL, but it really does sound like everyone has a completely different story. Totally. Absolutely. And it's always like everyone's shocked that we don't, we aren't all stand-ups or something. Um, But I, so I was, you know, I did theater forever. So that's really like my link into Mm -hmm. this. But so I was taking classes at I.O., I was doing the touring company at Second City, but I actually got the audition for SNL through IO, through Sharna, who was running mm-hmm. it, who said, you ought to, you should be a part of this showcase. And I didn't know, I didn't feel like I was ready. I was like, mm-hmm. you know, I come from a theater background too. So even doing improv and sketch was still semi-new, but it was like, well, I don't have impressions. That's not what I do. And I didn't yeah. do solo work yet. Um, I took a workshop that everyone loved. Matt Miller does a workshop, solo characters and impressions. And you, you know, put yourself on tape and sort of watch it with other people. And then I, my friend Kellen and I sat down and I ran some things by him and then did that first audition. I mean, it was really like a summer. It took a, a summer to get hired. And the whole time I just didn't think I would get hired. And was like, you know what, this is a win to get to go to New York for the screen test. That's already that's a huge, huge win. And if that's like the worst thing that happens, that's amazing. Totally. And what w- were there then New York in-person auditions? Yes. So then I got flown out. So we did yeah. a Chicago thing. And then they asked, you know, eight of us or something to do like a speed dating event with them the next day at a hotel mm. where they were staying. 
where we all try to act, you know, super funny in person and moving around at different tables of producers. And then they flew us out, um, I think in July or something. We did our screen test. Then we're flown home immediately. The the day, I, the next day when I got home, I was driving back to my apartment with my friend Susanna and like telling her everything. And then I got an email saying, can you come back to New York to just um, talk, talk to people in the offices? And I'd heard about that they did these like meetings to make sure you weren't crazy or the crazy. wrong kind of crazy. We're yeah. all crazy. <laughs> the wrong kind. <laughs> A more difficult kind of crazy for that environment. Yeah. So then I went back and did that and just hung out in an office, Um, went back to Chicago, kept touring with Second City and trying to not think like not obsess over that SNL and like the fact that it was now even tiny possibility in my life. And then I got flown out again for another screen test and they said, we need you to do all new things. Um, (laughs) Then went back and then was flown out one more time to meet with Lauren. And that's when I was hired. Awesome. And wait, do you remember like what were the impressions? Like it is so insane that you have to often, how often you have to like go back to the drawing board and like, okay, here's a new round of like, please. Right. Especially when it's like, this isn't what I do. I, you know, I I feel like I know all of them. I don't know which I did at which time. Like I did, uh, Rebecca Lobo. I think I did. I did Sofia Vergara selling like zombie glasses. I did Elizabeth Dole being heckled about her husband's erectile dysfunction. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then I think I did like Sonia Sotomayor, maybe. She had her Tony Shalhoub. Everything was like just kind of silly. And then little characters. And I kept everything really short. I think that was sort of the big mm. thing for me. It felt like what I noticed watching people's auditions is we, if we like something we're doing, we really sit in it for a long time. And it felt like these, that's not necessarily the best thing for this audition, for this crowd who like, they get it. They know what comedy, they've seen 8,000 Sam Elliott's this month. So don't spend a minute and a half there. And they don't laugh in the room. Right. Well, actually, so I thought they did. I had heard that. And then in my (laughs) audition in person, they did laugh. So, but then I was, of course, like, well, what does that mean? You know, laughing at my me. brain is so good at being like, okay, well, that must mean you have a head wound that they're laughing at or your pants are down <laughs> or something. <laughs> Who knows? The imposter syndrome, yes. Uh-huh. Right, always. That's how I live my life. Always. And you hadn't had an audition this big, of course. And so, like, like you said, like, of course you wanted it. The moment it became at least a possibility, a lot is then riding on it, right? Well, yes, but not really. I mean, I truly was like, I don't want to, I guess because I've been in this business for so long, I, you know, I'm used to hearing no, I've heard no forever. It's such a big part of the job. Mm. I grew up, you know, even just in Chicago as a child actor auditioning for like, I I remember it was like, I had this heartbreaking audition for Sound of Music at Jury Lane. (laughs) And it's, so it was so, I'm so used to that. And it was sort of, this is so exciting and fun that I want it to remain that. And it's like, I don't want it to feel like a disappointment if I don't get SNL, you know? Yeah. So I think I was just mentally preparing myself to not get it. 
So you did know from an early age, you kind of did work the muscle, the quote unquote, like rejection muscles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tons, a bunch. Yeah. Which I think is actually like very helpful then when you go into this at all. Yeah. So is that the advice? Like, do you have go to advice for, I guess, also for really, you started age three. So is there advice for the kid aspiring entertainers? Well, I think I was lucky because I was in Chicago. I wasn't in L.A. So it was mm-hmm. like, the you know, the biggest thing I'm going to get is the Wisconsin mm-hmm. driver's ed video. So <laughs> I think it's, you know, you it looks dangerous for a lot of kids. It looks scary and tough. And I was lucky with my mom, who was really supportive and drove me to think. I was lucky to work at such a wonderful theater that became sort of my second home. You know, I was like raised by all these 20-something musical theater actors in Chicago. Mm. And uh, so I was very lucky and taken care of. And I don't know that all kids are taken care of when they go into this business. It wasn't so much of a business then. But I think my favorite thing, I would go back to my college a couple times because I remember when I first left L.A. after CalArts, a lot of people thought I was giving up. Ah. Because it was like, you're leaving L.A., well, then you're and you're going to Chicago, then you're giving up. It was like, there was Mm. such a set path that we were supposed to follow. And it clearly Mm -hmm. just, I, it wasn't happening for me. Um, and, and I was enjoying the comedy. And then I think to even then say, and I'm going to take classes again. And we'd all just done a four year crazy conservatory program. So even the idea of classes to a lot of people was nuts. Mm. And then it took some time. And then I think it's sort of, it's exciting to go back and tell people, especially as they're about to graduate, like you might not, you don't, you won't get a call tomorrow and that's okay. Mm. And sort of be open to where your path takes you. And if you're really good at something, do that. Even if it's not the thing that you exactly studied for four years, you know, especially with theater school, which prepares you for everything. It's group therapy really for four years. <laughs> and then maybe you know how to do Tai Chi and some voice work and breathing work and everybody's into breathing work these days. Yes. So you could probably that, get, make so a career too. of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like the theater training informing your work today thing is super interesting. Like, are there are those, those really out there techniques that you still find yourself using? <laughs> well, I, lo- I mean, I bring up breathing work cause I remember going to, uh, a chiropractor went or something and him being like, well, I'm going to teach you some really great. And I was like, okay, I, I, I know how to breathe. And I <laughs> was very cocky about it. And he was impressed with my breathing. Uh-huh. But I think, I think there's just so much, yes, that you take with it, not only the group therapy, but you were doing voice and movement and it's all things that are important. And like, you know, my best friend that I went to school with, why well, a lot of people I was, close with, wound up doing different things. Um, my two closest friends, one is now a playwright and one is a, a singer. She has a band and she hmm. travels with her husband. So it's sort of like, and we all studied the same thing. Yeah. And I'm doing sketch comedy for the most part, you know, or have been for this long. So it's kind of, you just don't know where you'll go necessarily. Yeah. And, and you have to be open. And that, I love that. I mean, of course, that advice to the graduates too of like, follow your gut. You just have to be open. Like it is sort of a prescribed narrative to go from somewhere to LA and not vice versa. Like, right. And like how easy to like this business, how easy is it to just feel bad about yourself and to to feel feel so beaten up and to feel like 
to compare yourself to others. It's just, Mm -hmm. that's already too easy. So whatever you can do to (laughs) keep your chin up and, and know that your path may look different, your path should look different. Mm. And the, and if it looks different and it looks like you, that's the best you can hope for. If it, if you feel like you are the best at whatever you're doing, that's wonderful. And then you're doing something right. Yeah. Which involves a lot of like, um, like not thinking about what other people think. Like, is that also a muscle that you have to work? Is it? Yeah. And it's crazy because, um, our whole career depends on what other people think of us in a lot of ways, you Mm -hmm. know, but, um, so whatever we can do, you just need to have that's, it's like, it's such a crazy, I always think about this, you know, what is asked of us to have the thinnest skin so that you can access all these emotions and feelings so easily, but then Mm. yet still have this thick skin and not let anything actually hurt you. So Mm. it's a really, I think you just have to be prepared and find out how you best balance those things. Yeah, beautiful. And just not get defeated and not let, whatever you can do to keep yourself from sabotaging it because everything else will be sabotaging it actively. (laughs) Unless you're super yeah. lucky and, you know, you book some big, huge job right out of college, then, uh, but then you have a different set of problems. I just don't know how to help with those. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and so, okay, specifically for SNL, maybe you're asked this all the time, or maybe nobody asks you outright, but I'm just going to ask outright, like, <laughs> what is the advice? How does an aspiring comedian get on SNL? Like it is, <laughs> if you want to sure. be a sketch comedian, it's like, that's the platform. That's the goal, right? Oh, totally. I mean, and it's still, that's why a lot of us are there this long too. It's, we love it. It's such a, it's what we'd love to do and it's the best place to do it. I think, you know, same thing. You just go where, where you can do it. I was, a lot of us in Chicago were doing, we were, you know, producing our own show, booking these spaces to do shows at night for five Mm. people, but whatever you can do, you know, and it's really those showcases where you get seen, you can put things online And just, again, make sure whatever you're showing is the best of you and not what you think that someone wants to see. Don't do what you think SNL wants. Excellent. Yes. That's a big one. Yeah, that's true for all auditions. But I feel like especially SNL, like you said, everybody has a completely different way to get there. So and the most exciting, like the people that they want to hire are people that surprise them and that are like, wow, what Mm. could you bring to our show? You know, it's it's people that have a different voice. They don't want to see someone who's doing an impression of someone already on the show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not in a, sometimes people, if you have a great impression, that's different. I mean, like, don't try to fit into the show. Show what makes you so unique and wonderful. And that's what they'll want you for. Wonderful. Well, so all of this informs, I feel like it all informs Schmigadoon, but like not in the obvious way. Like certainly <laughs> the theater background and I, I guess I just, I didn't, I personally, as a fan of yours, I did not necessarily know that you were such a musical theater person, but all it takes is watching Schmigadoon to know, like, this is somebody who's obsessed with musicals, right? <laughs> yeah. And I think, well, I mean, I grew up watching a lot, you know, I, I, uh, my grandma, my dad and my uncle's mom, who we called Scotty, really introduced me early on to movie musicals like Mm -hmm. you know I had like the VHS of Oliver and My Fair Lady and West Side Story and then I would go to Video Magic which was our local video store and rent (laughs) all these musicals and see I just loved watching them you know and I still will make people watch YouTube clips 
like, yeah. well, look at the colors of Bali High. Look how pretty this is. <laughs> um, and then I, and my uncle is actually a Broadway, a Broadway producer and did a lot of mm. musicals. So I got to go see those in person. Okay. So I think even, but even growing up, it was like, I did theater and I did original musicals in Chicago, but I never thought, I think once I was a teenager, I didn't think I would be a musical theater actor because hmm. I'm a, I'm not a great dancer. I didn't think I was a strong enough singer and it just felt <laughs> like, but I will be a fan of musical theaters for forever. Yeah. Like not a musical theater actor, let alone musical theater film or TV actor, which is sort of its own, <laughs> like, next level of musical theater, right? Right, right. Which I didn't even know was totally a thing. I mean, movies, obviously, but yeah, that's easier when you don't live in New York. Wait, so how did it come about? I mean, how, how did this idea, <laughs> how did it work? And how are you involved as a producer? Well, I think, you know, the idea is so much Cinco and, and Ken... Mm-hmm creating it and bringing it, they brought it to Broadway video. And I think Andrew Singer, who is lovely, he's the uh, executive producer there along with Lorne. Um, but he knows how much, you know, you can watch the show and see how much I love musicals. We love poking <laughs> fun at musicals in the way that one does when you love something, you know, mm-hmm. it's like self-deprecating almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when Cinco explained it to him, he thought immediately, this is perfect for Cecily. Mm. And then Cinco and I talked and I loved it. I didn't quite understand it because how do you even explain Schmigadoon? <laughs> it's such a, <laughs> I, it takes me two minutes to explain yeah. it poorly. So, and then once I saw the first script, I was like, okay, I have to do it. And there were three table reads that were some of the greatest moments of my summer, two oh. summers ago, whenever it was, it was just, we were, I was in a room, Jane was there, um, and it was just like musical theater people. And it was so like, a, a, everybody's making eye contact and putting their hearts out there and <laughs> laughing and crying together. And it was sort of like this show, if this is what it feels like at an early table read, hmm. imagine it, it has to be great, you know? Totally. And um, so then and- it was like, well, I have to be a producer because, and I'd been involved that long. And I think they know that I'm going to give my, I'm going to have some very strong opinions and I'm going to give them whether or not you call me producer. So Mm. maybe it's just, it's easier to call me producer. Think you can write two feature screenplays or a TV spec and two original TV pilots in less than nine months? If you are accepted into the UCLA professional program in screenwriting or writing for television, you will. Both programs begin this fall. Learn from renowned UCLA instructors and you'll receive a world-class education in less than a year, an intimate environment with a maximum of 10 students per instructor, guidance from writing your script through navigating the industry, and a certificate of completion from the UCLA School of Theater, Film, and Television. Just Google UCLA Professional Programs. You'll find us. And so then... How how did the production process work? I mean, there the pandemic uh, right. I mean, it was things, sort of right? exactly big time, big yeah. time. And it was like I wasn't. I spent the summer, you know, with my head in the sand, just being so afraid. And then it was yeah. like, I, I can't go. I'm not going across a closed border. It was just we really had to change a lot. And it was such a wonderful group of people. Um, 
and they really made it, we talked through so much and there was, they were so careful and there was, so I, I felt safe. And then once we were there, it was like, it was very much art imitating life. We were like whisked off to a magical place and got to live in this magical world. And I think we all became better people and it healed us. Um, just similar to our beloved, our fictional Schmigadoon. Yeah, it, it it is kind of, it was, of course, a bubble of a set, but then, I mean, the vibe of the show is that it all, is all very enclosed. Right. And then it's like, and you're coming from a place of, you know, us, me personally, being so full of anxiety and yeah. worried and then just really opening my heart in this place that made it feel safe to do so. Mm. And just with the with people that made it feel safe and inspiring to do so. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think that's what I sent. I, you can sense that too. If, of course, the, the thing of you can sense, these are all people who love musicals and love like <laughs> skewering musicals, but there is something really genuinely deep and beautiful. And like the timing of the pandemic kind of works with the show rather than against it. I feel like. Right. I mean, and it's one of those things that you, that you can say and go like, well, we didn't, obviously, I I don't, it, we didn't need the pandemic for the show. Mm-hmm. And I think the show would have worked without that. Um, it's just, that was the reality. And having that as a reality and still, and yet it being this production with these people, I feel mm-hmm. very lucky. And and it really did change my life. Mm. And I don't, I mean, I'm, it would have changed my life without the pandemic. But it, yeah, that's what, that's the cards we were all dealt. And um and I was lucky to have this. Yeah, it's just like quintessential escapism. I yes, like. yes. Um, talk to me about the cast. So, as producer, and you, of course, you were involved first, early of the of the of the cast. How did you go about? Um, what was the casting process like? This is a an A list of Broadway talent. Oh my God, I'm blown up. I mean, a lot of it was a lot of the people that are in the show, as Cinco will tell you, were on the boards and writing rooms. I mean, he wrote that part for Kristen. He wrote that part for Jane. He wrote that part for Jaime. (laughs) So it was kind of like, I think the biggest and most exciting for me was Keegan, to be honest. We didn't really have a Josh. And and on paper, I just don't think it was totally there until Keegan, like the first day. And it was like, oh my God, he's so perfect. He loves this as much as I do. Um, His background, you know, being genuinely funny, knowing comedy, but then also being able to act and um, and loving the genre. It it was just he was the most I was excited about. And I remember as early on after after we finished that last table read, I remember we were going to karaoke and I was (laughs) with Bowen and Julie by the elevator. And I said, you know who I want so much? Keegan Michael Key. And they were like, yes, you know, and that was so early on. And so it's so cool to then say, and then we got Keegan. Because he's been coming out as a musical theater nerd for a while now. I know. (laughs) Yeah, he has to do a lot of, uh, he has the harder acting job. Oh, sure. Among the two of us in this one, pretending that he doesn't like it. Uh, (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Um, And so talk to me about filming a musical, the... um, the one takes, which is like probably the most extraordinary. I don't know. I, I just find that modern filmed musicals involve so much editing 
right for the most part and this was so clearly it's not just an homage thematically like you guys are also copying the format of like is it that Kristen Chenoweth number was one very long take right unbelievable yes and I love thinking about so whenever I watch um just the uh man that got away scene from Star Uh is Born you know and it's like this is one shot that yeah and so watching her performance and I'm like I hope that Kristen, I feel like Kristen's will become that iconic when people watch this. You'll turn oh to the person next to you and say, look at this. This is one shot. They haven't This cut. is one yeah. continuing. Yeah. And I think it's so amazing. It's not only, it's a testament to what an incredible, incredible performer she is. And just mm. like, she's perfect. And then even you're like, there's a cameraman there and the, the and oh, everybody yeah. involved is so I, I can't speak highly enough of our choreographer, Chris Catelli. He's so amazing. And so much of that was in his head. And, and there was so much hmm. rehearsal going on while isolated, you know, because we, we could not be on set together for the most part and we couldn't be uh, rehearsing too much. And so okay. there was so much work that people maybe were doing in hotel rooms Oh, wow. So that they could come and do that on that day. And it's just like, that's ugh, makes me choke up to think about like, you know, to have Aaron who is nominated for a Tony while we're there. And it's like, oh, wow. he can't do his show, but he's no. going to, he's in his hotel room and he's practicing and he's going to show up and do that amazing song and dance that he did, you know? And it's like, yeah. While Broadway shut down. And I think, so it was, it, it, yes, it is so much um, the old movies, but it's also how they have to do it on, on stage. And so that's why you get stage performers. Um, and sorry, I'm like, this is, I have, I've told you I'm excited to talk about this finally. <laughs> yes, no, same. <laughs> and then I think the other thing with Chris that was so exciting is he would show me clips and just, you know, because the camera was in one position, a lot of it was, he said, look at how these women just, they flirt with the camera. You know, it's like, Mm. When you're when you're dipping, if you, and if you'll notice, anytime I do a dip, I am turned to the camera, <laughs> always <laughs> looking at the camera, and that is all Chris Catelli being like that was just another fun thing about because of the way they shot these. It was like find your lens, girl, get your face out there. But you can't rehearse like there was so few rehearsals. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I I would uh, there was a couple nights I think I got Chris to come over like on a Sunday and he would help me out. He was so help. I would try to you know get him on my good side. I'd cook him food and give him wine and see if he'll make my dances any easier. But then I think even I just remember the first day. So we got to do just me personally. I know I only got a couple actual rehearsals. And the first time Keegan and I did a a dance rehearsal, it was so, it was again like, wow, this is really magical because neither of us are dancers (laughs) and we have a, uh, a recording of it because it was like, we got it that day. Keegan came in and like knew it. And then I just sort of followed him and it (laughs) was so, it was just like, wow, this show is really doing something to all of us. That's sort of the genius of the conceit too, is like you and Keegan are not expected to be, um, professional ballet dancers, for example. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> that was how I had to, I had to remember that every day. And whenever, you know, that's sort of how I let go of my hangups about my mm. dancing ability it was like, <laughs> I don't have to be, I have to look like I'm enjoying myself. And so that I can do. Yeah. Yeah. You do great work and you and Keegan together. Um, 
I sort of, I've been asking this on the podcast recently, like this, and it's a big question, but what, like, what to you is chemistry between two actors? And like, what is your take on reacting and listening on camera? Definitely. Well, I think that's a great question. I, it's harder to explain chemistry, but uh, luck, I was very lucky. I mean, he showed up and it was like, okay, here's my, one of my old best friends. And I think we are both coming from sketch, which is very ensemble based. Uh-huh. You are, it's, you're supposed to, you are lifting others around you. You're working with others around you. I love reacting. I think that's the one thing I wish there were more of on SNL. Um, mm. It's all the reactions, you know, like not just wait a second until your camera is showing you, but it, like an in a live in-person reaction. I mm. love that about theater. I love when you're watching on stage, you can look wherever you look, you want to look. I want to watch that actor. What's that actor thinking this whole time, you know? Um, so I love reactions and that's a big part of it. And I think for Keegan too, and we, you know, we called each other the button twins because it was like, we couldn't end a scene because we kept wanting to add a button or something. Oh, that's so funny. And we would be running lines and we would just get so silly and add backstory. (laughs) And I mean, (laughs) and then we'd have to go do the scene the way it was written. But there were, so that, that chemistry was just really easy. But then I think. Even I thought of it was funny to look at my scenes with Aaron and with Jaime and it was like I didn't have many days with them. So you're sort of seeing Hmm. me with someone I only had a day or two with. So it can be kind of a newer, oh, that's surprising that you're doing Mm -hmm. that, you know, that you don't know it. Kind of that worked, too, I thought. And then this is um, like way too early to ask this question, of course. But like, what is the future? Is there a season two of Schmigadoon? I, I am not the one to ask. I, I, w- I am just the one who will say I'll be there if they let yeah. me, if there is. And I would love to, you know, it would be great to see people in a world where I can hug them and, and we can yeah. be on set together and maybe even get a cast dinner, you know. Yeah. <laughs> to be a true yeah ensemble again. Yeah. Thank you so much. I have to let you go soon, but we have these questions we're backstage. We're all about the advice. Um, do you have a worst audition horror story? <laughs> Going back to the auditions. Oh, my God. I mean, I had like a bunch when I was a kid that were terrible. I was here's one that's so it's not even like a nightmare necessarily. But there was a Kenny Rogers Christmas show <laughs> at one of the big I forget which one it was around Chicago. And I got, I was such like the second callback, third callback kid. And I was tall as a little girl. So that's as far as it ever went. I was then oh. always, and I remember getting so far and they wound up, they didn't choose me. They chose this really cute little girl with blonde curls and they had her lip sync. Cause they were oh. like, you know what? We don't need you to sing. You're that cute. And it was, I just remember that hurting my my feelings. Oh my gosh. Oh, and then um, in Living Color was a re- was coming back for a reboot. And that audition was sort of right before SNL and all of Chicago was talking about it. And I oh. was so poorly prepared and that was a terrible audition. And I think <laughs> I could, I remember like looking at the casting director and seeing that the camera was not on. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I mean, it, I, on purpose. I think he was like, well, yeah. we got it. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, no. Probably better for me that that tape doesn't exist somewhere. Exactly. Yes, totally. He was doing me a favor. 
<laughs> my God. Um, and then going back to that kind of same early era, like, and you, you've touched on this, but if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? Like, what is the early career stuff that you wish you'd known? Sure. I mean, I think like what I think I said a bit of earlier to not, to know that there are a million different paths to take. And, and if something feels like this isn't right to not give up and don't beat myself up and really just keep, keep doing what I enjoy and, and, and finding, you know, that's how I'm going to be best. And I'm not going to be hired if I'm not my best. Mm. That's yeah, it's great. It, it really is all about like following your bliss, I, I guess. Yeah. And like shamelessly getting on. Yes. And you know what? I wasn't a great networker. I still am not. I have social anxieties. I'm terrible. And it was like, there were sure. so many people who were like, well, you have to network. And, it, and I was like, that's not how it's going to happen for me. If networking is how it's supposed to happen, I'm, I'm screwed. Mm, yeah. And so sort of knowing that it's like adjusting your expectations and not, and not being hard on yourself when you're not. Yes. Be gentle with yourself. Be mm. so gentle with yourself. Work hard and and do whatever you can to love yourself and take care of yourself. Um, and, beautiful. But, but be gentle. That's beautiful. Yeah, we all need to hear that. Um, we also ask, this is, uh, this is the hard one. Uh, what is a performance you think every actor should see and why? Film, TV, maybe something you've seen recently? Oh my gosh. I mean, there's so many that I could nerd out about that I think are brilliant. So I'll just go with an easy answer because it was very more recent. Mm -hmm. I think Leslie Odom Jr. in Hamilton was so good. Just the way he drives it. And it's, it's such a seething, the way he, you know, carries out that and builds that seething Mm -hmm. anger and frustration over the length of that show and he's driving it and he drives the whole show. Uh, you are uh, speaking my language. <laughs> well, we'll have to go out and we can, we can get a drink and spend too long probably yes, crying at the please. table over this stuff. Yeah. Yes, please. I mean, in terms of musical theater performances, I do kind of think of that as a gold standard and it is wild that anyone can just see it now on Disney+. Plus. Uh, it's unbelievable. But even then I was like, that's why I missed being there live because I was yeah. like, I would be watching him when oh, yeah. this other thing's going on because it was just like, Talk oh, that's reacting. pissing him off. Oh, that's, he's seething in that show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maya Rudolph said the exact same answer. Leslie O'Donnell really? Hamilton. Yep. Of course. I love her. Well, that makes me, that just like gave me shiver. I love, love, love Maya. And I love that Leslie is now like, um, you know, Oscar nominated. He's like, he's now, he's a big deal. People, everyone knows who he is. Now, Brilliant. Is yeah. And I just yeah. remember saying, this is one of the best performances I've ever seen in my life. Same. Yeah. Yeah. So season two of Schmigadoon with Leslie. <laughs> Please. Okay. Well, there. <laughs> We'll make it happen. I'm making a vision board today. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you seem to be good at that. So yeah. But that's what my um, therapist says. I can, man- I'm a manifester. <laughs> that's so good mm-hmm. to know. That's really, yeah. That's a good talent. <laughs> good skill. Sure. I don't know that it's, it's right, but she says it <laughs> and it's a nice thing to hear. So I'll take yeah. it. Um, and then I wanted to ask too about like, 
that obviously we're just in this state of turmoil. Just we, the, I don't know, the world, the country. But speaking specifically about the industry and the changes that have happened mm-hmm. in the last year, like, what do you think is the state of Hollywood today in terms of diversity and inclusion, in terms of, you know, availability of projects to a wide array of people who deserve them? Like, mm-hmm. where are you optimistic about the way things are changing? Are things changing? I think it's always a slow change. And I think I'm always optimistic because I think inclusion and diversity and sorry for such a, you know, I know those words when you hear them from Hollywood mouths, it's like, it makes you exactly. But I think I'm like, if it makes them money, if you show them, you have a wider audience and Mm -hmm. you have, you open yourself up to so much brilliance and it's, uh, I think it's you show them this makes you money. This makes you money. And it's like, that's why I'm at all hopeful because that's what <laughs> that's what they can believe in. They don't have to do anything for the right reason. But sure. I think like you will make money if you're that was a big deal to me that, you know, that our show was looked like how we was something we'd be proud of. It was like if we are one of the few productions that get to work right now. Isn't it even that much more mm. important that we make the show that we love the most and it's a cast that we love the most and something mm. that we're proud of? Mm-hmm. Totally. You know? And th- I mean, even like there's, I don't know if I'm, bl- you know, blowing a big surprise. There's just like a small moment and it's just peppermint for a second. But that was, you know, what yes. we're talking about Broadway. But it was like, to me, it was like peppermint is Broadway history. She's the she first is. trans woman to originate a role. And it was like, Ugh. I, it was so important for me to have her in our show while Broadway yes. like, because that is Broadway history. Ah, uh, yeah, that's so great. And ideally it's like, you're doing that for every project that you, that you work on. But yes. That's not if this was the, the first one. Right. And it was like, if my name is going to be on as producer, yeah. that's really important to me. And I'm, you know, that's, I find it very exciting. And I, I, again, I just think it's a better end result always. Yeah. I mean, is that the advice too for um, actors who want to, it's writing or producing. I mean, I'm also, I'm so excited to read your memoir, your forthcoming memoir. Um, (laughs) Like if you're an, if, what is the advice to actors who are, you know, they want to have more agency. And so therefore that does mean producing or writing in addition to performing. Definitely. I mean, I think my, uh, my agent friends, it's, they always say you're so much, you're so much, um, you're much luckier if you can write, if you can write, write. And, uh, because the roles aren't going to come in for you. There's so many, you know, I was lucky. I think this role in Schmigadoon is amazing. I love Cinco for writing it. I love that there's a female role who gets to have uh, her own uh, self-reflective journey, you know, which is not common. Um, And I think, but we have to be writing for ourselves and we have to just make sure that we, make sure you keep meeting people and, and seeing other things so that you even know who's the best in a world that you may not know. Make sure, mm. you know, it's it, what a like just to make sure we know what's around us, because then we yeah. can utilize it and you'll make your projects better. Totally. Which which does come back to following your bliss to, to listening to your gut. Yes. Yes, definitely. And if it's is- and obviously it's still like we still are in this business where it's super far behind and there are people involved that are 
whatever. But again, it's you convince those people that it makes them money. And then the way and you just make sure you do what you can to make the projects that are the projects that you know are great, that you believe in. Mm. And they are mm. unique and special and they're not watered down for any of that. Wonderful. Gosh, Cecily, thank you so much. This is all like thank pure you. podcast gold. Truly. <laughs> well, it's like Cecily, conver- it's, it was a gold conversation for me. So thank you. And now it's time to hear from Christine McKenna-Torella, our backstage casting insider. I will let her take it away. Hi, folks. Christine McKenna-Torella here. I can't wait to watch Smigadoon. I am really excited for it. I think it looks silly and fun. And of course, Cecily is hilarious always. But there's also an amazing supporting cast that come from the musical theater world, which is my space. It's my jam. Um, I cast in it for years. There is a very impressive cast. It's Kristen Chenoweth, Aaron Tavet, uh, Ariana DeBose, Anne Harada, Jane Krakowski. And I am a huge geek fan of Alan Cumming. Anything he does, I watch. Well, what do the guys have in common also? Well, they, they are known for their Broadway and West End theater work before their TV work. But um, another thing they have in common is that they all attended some formal acting training, either at a drama school or a musical theater university program. So this week, I thought I would highlight three reasons attending acting school would be beneficial for your career. So the first one is you'll sharpen your skills, and that can't be underestimated how important that is. You'll develop tools to support your voice and body, which in theater in particular, where you have upwards of eight performances a week, it's incredibly important to be able to support yourself. Secondly, you'll get to network and make connections. And I've mentioned this before, you may have a showcase at the end of your program, which is very helpful in launching your career with agents and casting. And if you are going to a drama school or an acting school, I would ask about showcases. And thirdly, you'll get to know the industry through studying its history, immersing yourself as much as possible in the classroom setting, a nice safe place to learn how to get along in the biz. But I'm also really aware that three to four years of a college education, especially in the United States, is not a financial possibility for a lot of people when you're entering a market that's highly competitive, such as the arts. So I also wanted to tell you three reasons you don't necessarily have to attend acting school in order to have a successful career in acting. So first of all, lots of resources are available to you for free. So if you're dipping your toe into the career, you're not sure if it's for you or not. Backstage literally has thousands of videos, articles on how to grow and start your career. Um, Lots of information to get through there. But, you know, we've interviews with casting directors. We let you know about what's casting next. We've got so much stuff there. You can learn the basics of the business for free. Secondly, I think classes are always a smart idea, to be quite honest, but if dollars are tight and you can't afford thousands and thousands of dollars, spend what you can, right? Pick what you need to lean into to grow as an artist. So I think people can always benefit from taking scene study classes. And when you do that, you also get to network with people. And again, networking is such a big part of this job, not in that icky like, oh, I've got to know people, but in a connection way, right? Like you get to know artists that you want to spend time with and make friends with. And another example would be if you want to be a singer, right? Like 
you having the formal training to build technique to support you so that you could get through eight performances a week, very important. Thirdly, many people have launched their acting careers via acting school, but there are just as many success stories about actors that did not attend acting school. It's about professionalism. It's good luck, which is opportunity meeting hard work. Just keep on applying for auditions and keep the faith. As always, we have hundreds of casting calls for every type of actor in every region on the site. So head over to backstage.com to check those out. That's all from me for now. Break a leg in your upcoming auditions and have a beautiful week. is recorded at Lotus Productions and Hyperbolic Audio in New York City and Soundbox LA, Mark Rouse Studios, and Buzzies in Los Angeles. Thanks as always to our producer extraordinaire, Jamie Muffet, and to the team at Backstage, Samantha Sherlock, Mark Stinson, Caitlin Watkins, and of course, Casey Howe. Visit Backstage.com and don't forget, you can subscribe to Backstage by using the code ENVELOPE at checkout for a free trial. That's right, 100% free. For more exclusive content, join us on Facebook and Twitter at In The Envelope and subscribe, share, and leave a comment. Who would you like us to interview next? Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time for another glimpse in the envelope.